0: Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Dr. Brian Russell. Brian Russell is an author, professor, podcaster, and a transformational coach for spiritually minded professionals. His personal mission is to seek out, study, and embody the deepest truths so that he can share them compellingly, lovingly, and transformationally with others. He's the author of Centering Prayer, Sitting Quietly in God's Presence Can Change Your Life. He is also the host of the Deep Dive Spirituality Conversations podcast. When you make the decision to become better, not bitter, your entire life can change. That's exactly what happened to my next guest, Dr. Brian Russell. He's going to share his story of breakdown to breakthrough so you can do it too. Here's Brian. Okay, everybody, we're with Dr. Brian Russell today, and it's a bit of a spin on betrayal. He's going to be sharing a betrayal story. Of course, all the great things that led to, we're gonna be talking about healing from fear, guilt, and shame through silent meditative prayer and journaling. You know I'm a big advocate on whatever is the right fit for you to get you through your times and uh, your your hard times. And I have a feeling this is gonna be a wonderful new resource for you. So welcome, Brian.
1: Thank you, Debbie. It's so great to be here.
0: Uh, Thank you. So, of course, my audience wants to know, um, before we get started, for you to have these tools in your toolkit, something probably happened that led for you to have this search that you needed to heal. Can you share parts of your story?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Essentially in in 2010, I had been married for 20 years. Uh, I've been a a fully tenured professor. Things are going well with my career. And I had two young children. They were, I think they were nine and 10. And when when everything kind of kicked up and um, my my former wife, I'm not going to say bad stuff about her, but essentially decided that she didn't want to be married to me anymore. And um, you know, took off, literally left the, the, the state. And I found myself, with two young children who, again, their mom helped some, but it was the majority of the responsibility has been on me since the, that, that time. And they're growing up now and they're doing pretty well. And then, you know, I was worried I was going to lose my job, the financial catastrophe what of a divorce actually tends to be. And it wasn't in my case. And then just the fear that I was going to, my whole life, I was going to lose everything that I worked for. And so that was, that's kind of the backdrop and, um, uh, so uh, that that whole betrayal story is what launched for me this really remarkable now last 10 years for me which was growth and digging in deep and you know I had a mindset early on that I was going to be better not bitter on the other side of this thing Um, and I'm really grateful that I was able to grab a hold of that but it was a Really painful at least a year or so and then even the comeback was 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 painful at times, too But you know now I look back 10 years and it's been a it was a remarkable journey
0: Right and and before we get to where you are now Tell us how because we know betrayal affects us physically mentally emotionally psychologically spiritually do you remember some of the the symptoms you had—the physical, the mental, the emotional?
1: Yeah, I was a complete disaster at some real level. I mean, I, I'm—I've been a—I'm a pastor, and I, I work at a seminary, so I train pastors, and so I have a lot of—I understand what pastoral care is, and even you know, I'm not a trained counselor, but I had enough to be a you know to be a pastor. So I literally knew kind of what was going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. But it's a totally different deal, actually, watching yourself run through a grief spiral. And uh, yeah, for me, I'm—I uh, was completely anxious and i'll come back to that in just a second i mean like i talk fast anyway but i was really whipping through some words back in those days um completely just obsessed with um um, you know worry um i would i went through a really difficult 10 weeks of flat-out insomnia right after we signed the papers that the mediation hearings and stuff and so i couldn't sleep um uh, just worried that I was going to lose my job just because of my vo- what my vocation was. Um, I mean, the finances, I mean, so I had real financial issues too, because, you know, obviously it's, uh, you know, there was some, um, uh, f- uh, some alimony was involved in this whole thing and we had had financial problems even in our marriage. So it's like, I, you know, I was one of those persons that's too, too, I made too much money to, to file for bankruptcy, but I was still, I mean, I had to work like two or three extra jobs. So, I mean, just, I had a million symptoms. So I was—I consider myself almost just a train wreck. And on top of that, being a person of faith, I felt like I completely lost my faith. Like I lost all ability to feel any kind of spiritual um, God. Like at least I had previously. So and so that was probably the hardest part for me was that the thing that had been an anchor for most of my life. So I was 41 and I grew up in church. And so, I, you know, I'd be pastor called the ministry, all this stuff. And all of a sudden, bam, that one resource that I had counted on so much for most of my life. Um, I mean, just completely empty on the, on the inside. So I don't, I don't know if that's enough detail for you.
0: Yeah. It, it's well, first of all, those physical symptoms, the anxiety, the worry, the, the insomnia that is so classic. I mean, we've had, Easily over 25,000 people take our post-betrayal syndrome quiz. And these are things we see every single day. And it, it's the, it's like that shock and that trauma can't help but ignite that stress response and, and lead to those symptoms, issues, conditions. And then on top of it, here you are. So think about it if you're exhausted and you're trying to raise your kids and you're trying to manage your work and you're feeling these financial issues, it's like this big one ugly spiral. So it makes total sense why you were feeling the way that you were. But let's talk about that feeling of being disconnected. Uh, You know, it's interesting because in the study that I did, it was everyone, everyone uh, eventually moved towards uh, the, the spirit. If they weren't religious or spiritual, they moved towards the spiritual side of their religion or just spirituality in general, because they felt this deep sense of disconnection. Yeah. And at a time where we need to feel connection, we just feel so disconnected. So tell us more about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, because I mean, I have a doctorate in biblical studies. So I've been, um, you know, I teach, I teach biblical, so I'm like a Bible expert. And so literally what this whole thing felt like for me, was all of the resources that I had access to, just typical traditional prayer, um, going to church, reading the Bible. I was, I'd i been doing that my whole life. And so in a sense, none of that stuff worked for me at all. So I couldn't simply like, hey, I'm just going to do more of what I've always done because I was all in already. And it was, so I lost, so I basically, my spiritual struggle was that the very things that had taken to me to where I was, which was as far as I knew, I mean, I was fully into the, um, to my Christian faith. It, it I it, At some level, I felt betrayed. I guess I have to say at some level, I felt betrayed by God, even as more so than um, my, my former spouse. And so that put me in a really difficult place where I'm trying to stand up in class and teach people <laughs> how to be pastors. And I don't, I mean, and it's, I'm just seared on the inside and wondering, like, at some point, it got bad enough for me on the spiritual stuff as I, I pondered. Wow, I'm 41. Um, if this never comes back on for me, can I fake it <laughs> for the rest of my life? And uh, that—that's what was going through my head back there too. So it was—it was, it was pretty—it was pretty intense.
0: Yeah. So so what'd you do? Because here, you know, this was this was what you moved towards to give you a sense of safety, security, connection, all of that. And it was just so. Then it was that uh, leaving of it. And, and just, I imagine you felt kind of lost. So it's like, wait a second, what do I, what do I do now?
1: No, that's exactly what it was like. And so at some level, you know, um, yeah, we'll get to the looking back, but I would say in a real sense, my, the God that I knew died and I'm not going to say that it ever came back to life either. I think I've experienced a a more profound version of God. And, and basically, and this is where, um, where I can tell the story. I I had, um, I've had several mystical experiences. I'm just going to share one, but this, this was like a, um, this was a, a transformational moment looking back at the time I knew it was important, but I, it, this was right in the middle of the darkest times. And so it wasn't like I bounced instantly, but I had a good friend that I did speak with. And again, um, I always talk fast, but I was on the phone and, uh, my friend said, Brian, you sound like you're losing your mind. You're just talking in loops. And, and you know, and I'm like, oh, geez, you know, and, 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 I'm, and I'm like, okay, I, well, I probably am losing my mind literally because I can't sleep. I'm super scared and the whole thing. And so what I did, I live in Orlando um, and, you know, it's nice in Orlando. It was in the spring. So it wasn't even hot yet. It was just sunny. So it's just beautiful. So I go for a walk on this, uh, Spring day. So, this is this, this probably it was probably April. This is really close to when the divorce papers would have got signed. So, like April 2011. And I go for this walk and I'd walked these sidewalks for years because I'd been living in the same place for 10 years. So I'm not walking, but I didn't take an iPod. So, I'm not listening to music. And you know, most of my life I lived it inside of my own head. I'm a professor, I get paid to think and, and stuff. And so, I'm walking, but this day, for whatever reason, it was so powerful. Um, I just, I started hearing birds sing, which again, like, of course, they've always been singing, but I actually noticed it. And I remember hearing a bird and I looked up and I looked at the tree. And it, again, this sounds so simple, but I literally saw the bird. Everything froze in that moment. I saw leaves on the tree, started smelling flowers. And I just maybe for the first time ever, I just literally showed up and I was fully present in this moment. And I sensed, uh, whether it was, you know, I'm not going to say I heard God say this. I'm, so I'm not really claiming that, but I just really sensed an overwhelming amount of love, mm-hmm. which is exactly what I needed. Cause I was terrified. Um, and, and I just felt completely loved in the split second. And I sort of had this sense that, um, th- that God, or I was hearing this message, there's enough, Brian, there's enough. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, count that as my introduction to mystical contemplation and so when I realized like wow that everything froze it's like okay I have to investigate ways to get this to repeat somehow and that's when I started getting interested in i um, I would call them alternative spiritual practices, or maybe contemplative spiritual practices. And I started doing a certain kind of journaling that has some faith tradition built into it. And then I discovered um, silent meditative prayer, or just meditation, if you will. And again, that wasn't; these weren't quick fix things. But I embraced both of those, and then, um, and the journaling was really important too, because I was able to track out how I was feeling on the inside. And so I just essentially opened myself up for growth. Yeah. trusted that, yeah, there is going to be enough. Uh, and uh, that was the moment that things kind of turned for me. So, And that's what my new, my spirituality now is very much invested in these silent and solitude practices, these contemplative spiritual practices that now sit on top of the old version of religion that I had and have just helped me to expand a, a bigger picture of the divine that God, well, most people know that God is love, but I actually run into that literally felt like I ran into a bank of love and that I was 100% loved. And that's, that's been the, the part that's healed me from this over the, again, the last decade. And I'm still a work in progress, of course.
0: And it's so amazing because there are so many people who have those transformative moments. They are the quickest moments in time but you remember it forever. It yeah. is life changing. So, you, you know, it's it's those peak, those peak moments. Uh, sure, there are the darkest moments, but those are the moments where all of a sudden the clarity and and the peace and the trust comes in, you know, and it's, and it's amazing. It sounds like that was the case. That was definitely the case for you because you're right. The birds were probably singing every day and there were the trees and there were the leaves and all of it, but you were ready to hear a very profound message on that day. Uh, and that was the change. So then, what did it lead to for you? So you had this moment, and I'm just imagining here you are. Your 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 head is in a million places, and all of a sudden you go out. You have this magical, mystical moment. What happened then?
1: Well, what happened then is I had decided again I'm, I was going to be better, not bitter. And so I sort of had this again. I would call it a prayer, or but I wrote it as an affirmation. I just wrote down. <clears throat> um i opened myself fully to god's love and i and and i asked that all of the inner darkness inside of me if it would be revealed in the light so that i could be healed so i kind of had that intention that I set for the whole healing piece. And then I just started doing anything that would help me to feel better. And, and what I mean by that, I was looking for healthy things, right? So I mean, I mean, obviously, I could have instantly drank a beer or something and made myself but I'm not talking about anything like that. But it was more like, um, I just started experimenting. So I learned more about how to do these meditative prayers. Um, hung around really good friends and started listening to really, um, you know, good, excellent personal development teachers. Um, like
0: Give us an example.
1: Yeah. Well, like, you know, I mean, some of these are just names that, uh, well, Tony Robbins, I, he was obvious because I knew who that was. Um, mm-hmm. Jim Rohn, especially, who was a old, really old school. I really love Jim Rohn, Darren Hardy, um, I, I, read Eckhart Tolle, like the power of now. I mean, again, you know, I can just keep whooping through it's Gary Zukav, a yeah. lot of persons that show up on like, say the Oprah Winfrey show. I ended up meeting my, my now wife a year or so after, and she introduced me to a lot of literature that I'd never read before. So I got, I, I embraced a lot of that just because I was looking for ideas. Cause what I realized previously, my Christian faith though it's been wonderful. Um, And this was my mistake, because I've realized there's more resources in Christianity than I ever imagined. But to me, it was always an intellectual problem to solve, instead of something to really embody and live out. And so what I basically did was started experimenting with really embodied practices and decided that, I was never gonna ask anybody to believe anything that I didn't personally practice one hundred percent. And I just started living by this principle of skin in the game. And I'm gonna test stuff out. And then what what happened for me is what this is really interesting, is um I had been a good professor up until that point. I'd even won teacher of the year when I was younger as a junior faculty member, but my teaching just got a gazillion times better. And I started um, slowly sharing more out of my own pain and asking different kinds of questions. And so I just started helping more and more people, again, not right off the bat. So, you know, it took, I was healing up for a couple of years. Uh, and the and, and what I found then, that led me into coaching. I started just mentoring students more and then students were just eating this up and then they're calling alums and I started doing these coaching groups and that got me, I found out, wow, I could even coach business people. Mm-hmm. And so the pain that I had and the tactics and techniques and the questions that I got from all the people that I was reading put me in a position where I could really help people out of my own pain, if I just owned it. And so yeah. and that ended up, you know, all the way till a few years ago, I started writing this book, basically about how the meditation had transformed me and what I learned about how it could be a tool uh, that can help other people.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, it's interesting, because when you shared just even your your list of where you started, you know, the, the personal development experts, and you, you know, it, in the beginning, it sounds very personal development, like, you know, Tony Robbins and Darren Hardy, and then you move towards, you know, someone like, and, and Gary Zukav, it's, it becomes much more spiritual. And, and we see this so often, it's such an important part of healing Yes, we may not be ready for it at first, but then as we notice we're growing, we're changing, we're ready for that deep and profound connection. And we're ready to look at things from such a different vantage point that we, that we couldn't yeah. before. And, and I remember, you know, like I, I think mm. of Wayne Dyer, you know, Dr. Wayne Dyer, Who started and if you if you think of his earliest books right like the erroneous zones and and some of his earliest ones to you know to the end they were much more personal development ish and then moved towards completely you know spirituality and uh it's that progression and that and that growth and that change it sounds like that that's what you did
1: yeah, and I should have thrown Wayne Dyer in there too, because I completely forgot about that. And what was funny, I was just listening to one of his uh, CDs over the weekend, because I was like, I need to go back and listen to Wayne Dyer after all these years. And so, but it is true; he was very helpful for me too. And, and you know, and I was catching him right when he was making the shift. He had that even has that movie ambition to meaning. I ran into that around the same time, and uh, he has that story about his own father. So yeah, that was another person. These stories, and and I just found that um, that kind of thinking expanded um, my idea my ideas about, um, about God, especially about having it more embodied and just simple things like gratitude, which is such a simple um, piece, but one of the most powerful tools that, I mean, you know, that a person can use that, that came, I know when I couldn't sleep, I remember now Wayne Dyer even said, Hey, right. Say what you're grateful for before you go to sleep. And, you know, so guess what? I'm like, I said, I'll try anything because I can't sleep. And so that, that was one of the things that slowly helped me out of my insomnia was just doing hardcore gratitude work.
0: Yeah. And he, he also, I learned from him, you know, it's true. If you have seven, eight hours that you get to sleep, you know, or six, six, seven, eight hours, what are you marinating on? You know, what yeah. are you thinking right before you go to sleep? What are those thoughts? And, but, but now I also imagine because here you were, you were a man of faith and now the spiritual uh, twist comes around. How did you, how did you kind of reckon or reconcile with that? Cause it's very different. <laughs>
1: No, no, no. And that's been, um, that's been one of the most difficult parts of my, um, of my, of my life. And honestly, I mean, that's, that's the, because essentially I deconstructed in my faith. And for, you know, for seasons, I wondered if I really still had faith, Um, but I've had really good counsel. I mean, I have really wonderful friends and stuff and they, you know, and I would say, hey, you know what? I'm not even sure if I believe anymore. And none of my friends would they would they, like they would just say things like, "Brian, you're just really honest, and you you know you you will say you say stuff that nobody else says." But everybody has struggles, and so I had really good friends that like say, you know, you just don't you know you don't need to give up the whole thing. And and that's where I just went. That's where I discovered, and this comes out in the in my book on centering prayer that um, Christianity actually has really deep roots in most of this stuff. But the, for very for various reasons, and that's a whole other conversation. The church is lost some of these wonderful tools that it has developed for thousands of years. You know, the church has gets a bad name about a lot of stuff, but there's these wonderful rich tools and a lot of even modern personal development bases itself on these spiritual practices that have deep roots and different faith traditions, actually.
0: Yeah. And that's why I remember in, in my study, people also left that, that um, sort of the dogma side. Yeah. Of religion yeah. and moved Towards the spiritual side. Because that just didn't make as much sense as it did, and, and this is regardless of the religion. That just seemed like a consistent, a consistent thing. And it's interesting. I even remember um, I was never really religious, but I started getting really spiritual. I mean, I started reading a lot of Wayne, uh, Neil, Donald Walsh. Yeah. And I mean, and it just absolutely changed everything for me. It made total and complete sense. But it's it's it can be very scary to question. Things, you know, it's like we're taught a certain thing. We're supposed to just believe that. Stop thinking. Stop questioning. And when we do, you know, we open ourselves up to, uh-oh, this is unfamiliar, but it feels good. It feels right. What the heck do I do with this? And how do I, how do I deal with every, everything I've been doing up until now?
1: No, no, that's that's exactly right. At least the, the thing I'm grateful for that at least helped me in my particular faith tradition is I come out of the Methodist side of, of pieces and, and essentially the, the the high point of Methodism, which, again, most Methodists don't even know this. But, you know, I'm a professor, so I knew this is that we uh, John Wesley was the founder, had this wonderful um, dogmatic position, but he called it the highest form of religion What they called it perfect love that you 100% get to a point in your life where you're so surrendered that all your life is, is love and that you love God, you love your neighbor, you love yourself. And, you know, and honestly, that's the God that I ran into that I, probably never knew. So, um, you know, I always joke and I probably, I used to think I was a lot holier than I am now for sure. Uh, but what I do know, 100% sure is I'm a lot more loving. And so that's given me that frame to basically, at least in my case, to stay within my Methodist roots, because I, now I think I more understand the end game, which is endless growth into love for all eternity. And I'm, you know, and that actually communicates pretty well with anybody when I talk about it like that.
0: Yeah. who doesn't want more of that you know think about it it's just love and and connection and, yes. and I think also when you when you go when you travel that route going you know in the road of personal development towards spirituality whatever spirituality means for you uh, also less judgmental you know yes. a little less judgmental more understanding what do you what do you you know as we wrap up what do you want to make sure everyone knows?
1: Yeah, actually, what what I would what I would love that for everybody to know is that um, the ultimate truth in the universe is is love. And again, I would call that a God, a personal God, who's one hundred percent love and. Um, that love is waiting for us to open ourselves up fully to a deep cl- cleansing that removes from us the, all the, our fear, our guilt, our shame, the fact that there is enough in the world. That's that first message I got that dealt with my fear, that, 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 that it's all about abundance and that we don't have to. There is enough that we can get past our guilt of I'm not doing enough and I can get past the shame of I'm just simply not good enough. And instead live our lives as ambassadors of abundance out of the rootedness that we're loved. And, that, and that's apart from anything that we actually do. And so that, that would be the one thing that I would want for everybody that I meet, the people that I coach, and even those that read my book. My book on Centering Prayer, essentially, it was really originally going to be called Centering Prayer and the Journey to Love. Because the, the whole point of the book is to get us to that position where we can just open ourselves up fully to feel loved. Um, and so that—that's what I would hope everybody you know, gets um, out of it. Yeah. And
0: I always try to get into the minds of my listeners and viewers. And I—I'm I, imagining they're thinking, "Well, that sounds nice. I don't trust that. How do you—how do you trust that?"
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. you, you trust it. Yeah, you know what? And, and I think that's—that's that's a completely fair question. And I'm back. If I go back ten years ago, I have like serious religious BS detectors. And I don't believe a lot of stuff that I hear. Like I, you know, like I always thought of like for me as a theologian, I believe it's, I stand between pure science and superstition somewhere in the middle there. And there's a lot of superstition. There's a lot of folks that say none of that stuff's true. And they're just, they try to be completely empirical, but there's obviously this deep spirituality. So, you know, I would just say to folks, Um, try it and see if it actually works, have some skin in the game and, and the, the point if you would learn how to do like say one of these meditative practices, it is not going to fix your life in one day or in a week or in a month, but you are just have to see open yourself up to the practice and you'll know looking back what it actually did for you. So just be patient with yourself. Like, you know, I can even say like, you know, one of the things I've had this physical, I lost 30 pounds in a month when all this stuff was going to me 10 years ago. And so, you know what I did? I decided, wow, look at me, I'm all skinny. Like I was in college again. And I'm like, so you know what I did? I became a vegan at that point, literally on the spot because my life felt so bad. It was easy just to dump all the old food. Yeah. And I did that. I don't I'm not eating that way now, but I did that for like two straight years. And and so, so I would say sometimes when you're in the middle of a crisis, it's actually easier to try new stuff because everything your life kind of sucks anyway, just to be completely blunt. <laughs> and, yeah. and if if and this might actually help you. So give it a shot and see if it works.
0: Well, you know, and, and I, I have a bit of a different spin on it, but I, I love what you're saying. And it's it's the old is there's been a complete and utter death and destruction of the old.
1: Yeah. So
0: yeah. anything goes. I mean, why not try that new thing and see if it's a fit for you and trust the message that you get. Try it long enough to know for sure. Give it enough, you know, of an opportunity because it may just be a, a wonderful fit for you as you rebuild uh from you know the 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 what's left of the rubble of of what your experience gave to. Well, me.
1: Yeah, I love how you just said it. That was a lot better than me. So I'm going to remember that if anybody ever asks me that question again, because that was perfect. That was a very more positive version of what I was trying to say. But I so get I like,
0: it. Totally. It's the same thing. We're talking about the exact same thing. That's the time. It's all, you know, it, it's all been blown up. Let's see, see what else we can create.
1: Yeah, that, that's a great, you know, looking back, I mean, I, I love what you the way you just said that, too, because that's what I can remember. Somehow, again, I wanted to be better, not bitter. I I'm just so grateful that I got that mindset in my head. And then, like you said, you just got to be open because it's a whole new world. And you just have to, I mean, and that's what's the scary thing is, right, Debbie? It's like uh, everything goes because you just lost essentially everything it feels like. And so you just have to um, embrace new opportunities and, and just and see it might just change your life, right?
0: Absolutely. Death and rebirth, right? That rebirth yeah. does happen unless there's the death of the old. Brian, where do we go to learn more about you and the wonderful work you do?
1: Yeah, well, if, if they're inter if people are interested in in uh, in, in the coaching stuff, they can go to drbrianrussellcoaching.com. dot um, If they would just if people if folks would really just love some information on the centering prayer about my book, I have a really easy website centeringprayerbook.com. and that's a it's a landing page. You give me your email, you'll see a picture of my book and stuff, and I'll send you some resources on the book and how to do a, start a centering prayer practice yourself. Um, and then obviously, people can find me on. Uh, social media, and I can send those links to you, but I'm kind of, I'm a little bit of every, I'm I'm here there and everywhere, so.
0: Great. And we'll have everything in the show notes. Brent, I want to thank you so much. There are so many people watching and listening who are just unsure about their next step. They're, you know, they're untrusting with good reason. They've been burned by the person they trusted the most. So uh, this is, uh, you know, a wonderful opportunity to just explore uh, what is readily available to us. And when we do, and when we embrace it. We can transform your living proof. So it's uh, it's wonderful for you to share your insights with with all of us today. Thank you so much. Oh,
1: well, you're welcome, Debbie. It's so so grateful here, and thanks to the audience. And I encourage everybody. Uh, it, the, there's blue sky on the other side of the clouds. So just keep moving.
0: There's so much incentive to move forward when we see how our crisis is impacting our health, our kids, our finances, and more. That's when Dr. Brian set out on a new path to question his beliefs and embrace new beliefs that served him so much better. Stay in touch with Brian by going to drbrianrussellcoaching.com and we'll have all of his information in the show notes at the pptinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. With the incentive to heal after being, as Brian said, seared on the inside, he set out to find the tools and resources that would help. When he did, he went from feeling anxious, worried, and disconnected to feeling loved, centered, and calm. Starting with personal development, then moving towards spirituality, he found the thought leaders that helped him Help to give him the exact message he needed at the time. There's no right or wrong here. Just keep moving forward. Stay open to what feels right and know that by taking a step, the next step will reveal itself. If you haven't taken it yet, be sure to take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz, which you can find at the pbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz and like the show subscribe rate review and tell your friends about it thanks for listening can't wait to be with you next time and here's to your breakthrough